0: The greatest medicine of all is to teach people how not to need it, Hippocrates. Stay tuned to find out how to stop band-aiding your headaches and get rid of them once and for all. So the big question is, how do women over 40 like us keep weight off, have great energy, balance our hormones and our moods, feel sexy and confident, and master midlife? If you're like most of us, you're not getting the answers you need and remain confused and pretty hopeless to ever feel like yourself again. As an OBGYN, I had to discover for myself the truth about what creates a rock solid metabolism, lasting weight loss, and supercharged energy after 40 in order to lose 100 pounds and fix my fatigue. Now I'm on a mission. This podcast is designed to share the natural tools you need for impactful results and to give you clarity on the answers to your midlife metabolism challenges. Join me for tangible natural strategies to crush the hormone imbalances you're facing and help you get unstuck from the sidelines of life. My name is Dr. Kieran Dunstan. Welcome to the Hormone Prescription Podcast. Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hormone Prescription with Dr. Kieran. Thank you so much for joining me today as we dive into talking about headaches. How to stop band-aiding your headaches and get rid of them once and for all. Naturally, I might add, we're going to be talking with Dr. Meg Mill, who really has an innovative approach to headaches. If you or someone you know and love has been suffering with chronic headaches, maybe they carry around a Tylenol or aspirin in their purse all the time and they're from work or missing social occasions because of headaches, well, then this is for you or this is for them. But headaches are rampant, particularly more pronounced in women. We suffer with many types of headaches and they're more common in women, including migraines, cluster headaches, tension headaches, hormonal headaches, menstrual migraines, you name it. We're going to dive with Dr. Meg into the different types of headaches and really look at how a functional root cause resolution approach differs from a conventional corporate medical approach and what that difference means to you. And we're going cover some steps that you can start taking today to alleviate yourself from having headaches. Mostly, she's going to teach you that the greatest medicine of all is to teach people how not to need it. We're trying to work ourselves out of a job here, ladies. So Hippocrates said that, and we are following this edict. I'll tell you a little bit about Dr. Mill, and then we'll get started. So Dr. Meg Mill is a PharmD. She's a functional medicine practitioner, best-selling author, podcast host and speaker. She has a virtual functional medicine practice where she works with patients worldwide to heal the root cause of their health struggles through advanced diagnostic testing and personalized support. She's been on Fox News Channel, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, Reader's Digest, Health Magazine, many podcasts. She has a podcast, A Little Bit Healthier, where she discusses simple things you can add to your life every day to live a healthier, more fulfilled life. She is particularly passionate about helping people end headaches and migraines, increase energy, and restore mental clarity without drugs or overwhelming protocols with her proven EAT method, E-A-T. Please help me welcome Dr. Meg to the show. Thank you for having me. Super excited to talk about headaches. I know there are so many women and men, it's really epidemic, the number of people who suffer with regular recurrent headaches, whether they're tension headaches, migraine headaches, sinus headaches, headaches, pain in the head is huge. What really got you to focus in on this? Because you come from a background probably where people needed a lot of pain medicine. So what was your pathway to discovering that you actually can
1: heal headaches and prevent them? Yeah. So I, as you, as you mentioned, came from, I was a clinical pharmacist. So I got a PharmD, then I did a residency in ambulatory care and worked as a clinical pharmacist in, in different ambulatory care settings, medication management, and was doing the whole other side of medicine and knew all the protocols, knew why we were doing certain things. But really just kept seeing people sort of in this place where they were adding more medications and just surviving. They weren't thriving, they weren't getting better, they were just kind of treading water and not feeling great. And I always had this belief in more of preventative care and, and just that there that's not always the answer. At the same time, I was also having some of my own health struggles and I was having gut health issues and I was going from gastroenterology, we moved around at that time and I would move and I'd go to another gastroenterologist, got all these tests and they were sort of leaving me with like, oh, nothing's wrong, IBS, sort of this nondescript and and kind of sending me on my way. And I'm like, I feel terrible. There's some, I'm in so much pain, there's something going on, there has to be more. And that's what actually led me to functional medicine. So then I you know, kept doing research and research and I found Functional medicine really, like you know, studied protocols and started to heal my own gut, and I was like, "Wow, this is amazing! I feel I finally feel well after you know all this time." And so I went back to to get educated and certified in functional medicine and opened up a functional medicine practice. So I have a functional medicine practice where I see people all over the world, healing root, different root causes. And when I opened my practice, I started seeing this trend. I see mostly women, and I started seeing people come to me either for headaches and migraines that were really severely affecting their lives. Or another trend I started to see was actually people coming to me for other reasons and not even thinking that it was a big deal that they were having a headache every week. I have um detailed intake questionnaire and symptom questionnaires that people fill out when we worked together. And they would fill out the forms and it was like, oh, you know, take a headache every week as long as I can remember, I've been having regular migraines since I've been a teen. And, and they were coming to me from something else, even sometimes as that they had consequences because they've been taking medication for these for so long, but they weren't even feeling like the headaches were a big deal or could be changed because they had just been told, oh, this is just, you know, you have a headache gene, which we can talk about how there's not really a headache gene one thing is a lot of things that we can overcome you know so they've been told that or they had been you know just felt like oh my mom has headaches my sister has headaches that's just in my family or I, that's normal for me and it's it's not and then we'd work together and they're like this is amazing I feel so much better I can't you know couldn't even believe that they could how much of a difference they could see so I just felt like it was it was a place where people just are told that they have to live with this and, and that's just really not true and there's so many things that you can do once you really get into the root of why you're getting the headache. Yeah, I love that. The headache gene, we'll sure have to talk about
0: that. But yes, how many people, women especially, suffer with these headaches and like they carry around Motrin, Aleve, Tylenol, BC powders, which was a thing I learned about when I moved to the South from New York. <laughs> people take BC powders, which is a, <laughs> like an aspirin caffeine thing or something. And they, they take it all the time and they think it's normal mm -hmm. to need this and it's just not and if this is you and you're listening please know that it's not or if any of your friends or family are carrying this around in their purse that is not normal it may be common but it's not it's not normal it means something's wrong so let's talk about the standard what I call Corporate medical view <laughs> of headaches. What, talk a little bit about that and what's wrong with that, and then we'll kind of dive into
1: a more enlightened approach. Yeah. So, you know, I, I like to use a little analogy here. It's kind of silly, but it kind of gives the, the perspective. If you took your car to a mechanic and you came in and you said, my car is making a noise and the mechanic took your keys, walked away, came back and handed you your keys back with a pair of earmuffs and said, okay, here you go. It's fixed, drive away. You'd be like, no way, there's something wrong with my car. I'm not going to ride in that. It's just, you're just covering it up. And that's really the, but we do that with our bodies. Sometimes with medication, we're just covering it up. We're just taking that that medication to cover up the pain. We're treating that pain constantly, but we're never really getting to the root of why you're actually having the headaches or the migraines, why they're occurring. So our standard approach is really just to manage pain. So we're really dealing with them from a pain management perspective ra- for the most part, rather than getting to the root cause, really diving into you know, what's going on in your life, what are your triggers and everyone's unique. So when we really do this, when we take a deep dive into headaches and migraines, you almost become like your own health detective, I say, because you're putting all of those pieces together For you as a unique person, what are your unique combination of triggers that's causing this pain? It's actually really a signal that something's going on for you.
0: Yeah. I always say symptoms are not the problem. They are pointing to the problem. So you have to find the reason why. So let's dive into some things that can trigger headaches. Well,
1: first, maybe let's talk about the different types of headaches. And then what are some triggers for these? Yeah, so the most common type of headache is a tension headache. And that really doesn't have, that's what like most people would experience a tension headache. That is more like a dull band of pain. You can get that maybe like also coming up from your neck, like tension from the neck muscles and the base of the head that kind of wraps around. And and there's generally not a pattern to those type that type of a headache. So, you know, most women that really have the debilitating regular headaches are having migraines. So with a migraine, that's generally more of a throb more intense pain you you often can get it on one side a lot of women will say they start to get it behind one of their eyes but it can be on both sides of the head and you're also going to see more of a pattern there you're gonna maybe have an aura you're gonna feel not sometimes you feel nauseous you have and these can last up to 72 hours so they generally feel better when you're in a cool like a, a dark and quiet place you feel better when you're laying down often so that's kind of more of the presentation there you know and then we you know there's so many different types like a cluster headache is more of a like almost like it's a it's a shorter period of time and it's a pinpointed very intense pain that's more common in men and that's almost going to be like an ice pick like hitting you know really that intense pain in one spot and actually that often will feel better with movement so sometimes you know when you have a migraine you don't want to move when you have a cluster headache it could kind of feel better when you're moving around so that's that is another common pattern we see often people get headaches when they have hypoglycemia can trigger a headache all sorts of sinus you can feel that sinus pressure behind your eyes so there's a lot of variation but you know the two i guess that that i see most commonly are just that that general tension headache and the in particularly women have migraines
0: right so what kinds of foods or environmental substances can trigger headaches i mean do people just get
1: migraines out of the blue, or can they be triggered by something? Yeah, so food is complicated when when we're talking about headaches. So there we have I like to talk about it in two different buckets. So we have some foods that we know do from data and statistics cause, headaches in some people. So we're looking at foods potentially that are high in histamine. That can be like fermented foods, some of those types of food. We have tyramine-containing foods. It's gonna be like aged and cured foods. We have actually salicylates, which is citrus. So sometimes even people are surprised, like lemons can actually, you know, you could be taking eating lemons for detox and that in some people can be triggering headaches. We see foods that have nitrates in them. We see uh, foods that have um, like aspartame that's in diet. we have MSG, we have food dyes. So there's these these different buckets of types of food and what actually can be complicated in these foods as that it also can be about threshold for people. So it is not just about it, the, the same foods don't trigger for everyone. It can be unique to you. So it's not like, okay, you have to avoid all of these foods forever. If you look up the migraine diet, you start to feel like I can't eat anything, but it's not about that. It's not about eliminating every food. It's about really discovering what triggers you. And then you also have to look at threshold because sometimes you can eat a small amount of that food and be fine. And that's where it can make it very complicated because you're feeling like oh well I ate that before it's not that food but maybe you're going over your body's threshold to make it to to a point where it is triggering it so we have those you know types of foods then we actually have another bucket where we're talking we, where we look at food sensitivities and this is an Igg antibody so you know an aller a food allergy is an IgE antibody that's a food that you have to stay away from forever that's more of the that's the allergic response the hives the the short, you know, throat closing thing, you know, where you would carry an EpiPen, but the food sensitivities are non-specific. And they can actually occur four to forty eight hours after. So I see it very common that people are having food sensitivities that are actually triggering their headaches or their migraines. And so we I do food sensitivity testing in order to really identify those foods. It can be complicated because sometimes you know, with all of these foods, they can be healthy foods. So it's not necessarily a food that you're suspecting. Um, you know, I run a program called Headstrong and one of the women in there was was drink, eating, pee, was, she was drinking pea protein because she was avoiding dairy because she was feeling like dairy is mm-hmm. inflammatory. She wanted to stay away from the whey and here her food sensitivity came back Test came back and the peas were like a really high food sensitivity. So making that switch from the whey, actually like stopping the pea protein was a really good move for her and she saw a big difference. So there can be these nuances that come in for people. So you're really getting a feel of it. So something you could actually, listeners could start doing, that I have people do is if you get a headache, then write down what you ate the 24 to 40 hours before and just start to look for patterns. Do you see connections? Cause once you start really identifying it, it can be surprising some of the things that start to come up. Yeah, it's so true. And I love a food diary for people who are having any types of recurrent
0: symptoms. So I think that's a great idea is just to, if you start having like, you know, if there are certain pains you get in your body but you only get them sometimes, write down everything you ate, because most people don't associate something I ate with a headache or Mm -hmm. something I ate with arthritis in your knee. But if you start paying attention, then these symptoms really will point the direction to where the problem is. So talk about this so-called headache gene that you mentioned earlier, because (laughs) there are some people who are like, my mother had migraines, my sister had migraines, I have migraines. It's, It's genetic.
1: Yes, I know you do. And it's like, hey, it's a headache gene. And, and you're like, well, there actually isn't like this one gene that has headaches. It's, it's really just a combination of genetic variants that can make you more likely to be someone who experiences headaches. But it, it isn't necessarily the, the great news for you if you're listening and you have headaches is there's so many things we can do around these genetic variants. So one that's common that I see is a DAO enzyme variant. So mm-hmm. DAO helps break down hist. So we talked about foods that are high in histamine as a food that, you know, food groups that sometimes people should avoid. You can also see signs of histamine intolerance. Like if you're someone who gets headaches and migraines and you also have a lot of congestion, you have a lot of allergies, things like that, it's like okay, you're not you're not necessarily connecting that congestion in your nose to the headaches, but you may not be breaking down histamine well. So some foods contain histamine. If you're not if you have a variant in the DAO, you may not be breaking down histamine as well as someone else, and so then that can create a histamine overload. And histamine overload can actually trigger trigger a headache or a migraine. So that's one. We look at the MTHFR. So methylation is a, an important step in estrogen metabolism. So we want to make sure that you're methylating well. That's, you know, and actually the COMT enzyme is another one that mm-hmm. is important mm-hmm. in estrogen metabolism. So it's just really looking at some of these different genetic variants that can make you more likely, you know, we we'll, we can get into hormones and headaches. But for example, you know, when we're looking at the MTHR and the COMT and some of these, well, does that make you more likely to be estrogen dominant? Estrogen dominance can be a factor of triggering migraine. So it's it's where do we go back and what do we figure out? And how, and then we just, you know, we can do different things. Like you can take a histamine block supplement. We can, you know, pull down histamine containing foods. We can do different things that really make a huge difference for people.
0: Yeah, I think this would be a great time to to kind of talk about how a functional root cause approach is different from a corporate medical approach when it comes to headaches. And I think that this quote you shared with me from Hippocrates, which I love, the greatest medicine of all is to teach people how not to need it (laughs) (laughs) is a great way to lead into this. One of my favorite examples of the difference between a mainstream corporate medical approach that uses drugs and surgery to treat symptoms and a root cause resolution or functional approach is the approach to sleep. But I think headache is another great example. So can you talk about what what it looks like if a patient goes to the doctor for evaluation for headaches to a regular doctor versus a functional approach?
1: Yes. So if you go to your doctor for to say you have a headache, they are going to look for whatever medication they feel like could manage your headaches. and Basically, they're thinking about it as a pain management. So they're going to go in, you're going to say, I have headaches. They're going to think like, okay, this medication, if you call them and say that medication didn't work, they're just going to find another medication. Okay. Which one should we go to? They don't often address all of the things that we're talking about. So what, what we want to do is we want to actually totally flip it upside down. So if you come, you know, if you come to me and you say, I have headaches, then I'm saying, okay, that headache is that symptom. That's, you know, you're expressing this pain, but what is, what are all the things going on? And, and another actually, to go even further is the conventional approach is going to say okay you're going to go you know the other thing we do is we bucket medicine we say okay you're going to go to the gastroenterologist and you're going to go to the, gyne- you know, you're the gynecologist and you're the neurologist and they're all doing their own different things. But, but I actually want to take you and flip you and put everything together. So I want to say like, how does your gut health, like what, you know, that Advil that you've had to take for the last 20 years to manage your, your headaches, you know, how is that affecting your gut lining, which is creating more food sensitivities, which can be triggering you and, and how are your hormones, you know, balance and, and what you're eating affects your headaches. And, and you're saying sleep, like sleep's another independent risk factor for a migraine. So, you know, how how are you sleeping? Are you getting enough melatonin? Are your cortisol levels in check? Do you have the right circadian rhythm? Are you hydrated? You know, all of these different factors. And we wanna put those factors together to really, they, it's almost like clicking all the pieces of the puzzle in place so that you really get this dramatic change that we're looking for. Someone I work with did, she's like was saying, it's like you have this sliding, like I'm a sliding puzzle and you're putting all the puzzle pieces and then we just click them and it, you just start to see this change it's it's really incredible and you know the other aspect that is here is we also in a functional approach wanna educate you. So my goal actually is that you don't need me, that I give you the education to actually manage your headaches on your own and you know what to do. So if you get off, if something happens later, you're actually able to go back and really you know you have all the education to do what you need to do and you're not reliant. You know, when we are using medication approach, you're reliant on that prescription too, to come back for more, come back for more. Right.
0: Yeah, we we really
1: do try to work ourselves out of a job.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You don't need us. Whereas, you know, a corporate medical treatment is basically to keep you coming back and keep you not so sick that you're terribly ill, but you keep functioning, but you need the medications chronically. I think this is a great time, too, to maybe talk about how a hormone evaluation Plays into
1: evaluating headaches. Yes. Yeah, so the two most common things I see for hormonal migraines are estrogen dominance and a rapid change in estrogen levels. So particularly if you're someone who is having cyclical migraines, if you know like, oh, the week before my period, I'm gonna get a migraine, you know, and this is something that's a, a really been a common pattern. You most likely have a hormone imbalance that's creating it. And so, like I said, we we often will see this estrogen dominant effect. and, and and really, then we need to look into why you're estrogen dominant. So, you, do you have, you know, do you in fact have really high levels of estrogen, or do you have like low levels of progesterone, or where where is this imbalance? And I actually like to use the Dutch test when I'm working with people that have migraines because I also can see in that test how their how hormones are metabolized. There's actually a very common pattern that I see, and that would be so. If you go to your doctor and they do a blood draw, they're gonna see they're gonna do a blood draw of estradiol. And so when we're looking at a Dutch test, we're actually looking at metabolites of hormones. So we're gonna you know we're gonna see your estradiol, but you're also gonna see we need your your estrogen to metabolize in the correct way. And so we have three phases of metabolism. We have two in the liver, and then one in the gut. The common pattern that I have started to see is that women won't actually have high levels of Estradiol overall, they'll actually have low levels of estradiol, but they'll have high metabolites. So so they're actually not metabolizing their estrogen down the right pathways. So while you may, if you got that blood draw, you might not be flagged as someone who even had high estrogen, but you're actually metabolizing it and keeping it in these high metabolites so that it's actually not clearing well from your body. So you're getting the effects of being estrogen dominant.
0: Yes, this is super important. And, you know, if you're really paying attention to what Dr. Meg is saying, this isn't going to be checked at your regular doctor's office, right? Your HMO doctor is not going to be noticing that you're not properly detoxifying your estrogen. And so they're going to totally miss this, right? It's like if you're a car mechanic, never put your car up on, I don't know what they call the thing. They raise it up, you know, (laughs) and they look under it. It's like, if your car Mm -hmm. mechanic never did that, they would never see the problem underneath your car. And it's the same thing here. If they don't look, they won't know. So they can't know it's a problem and fix it. So this is why I'm with you on the Dutch, super important. So estrogen dominance, what other kinds of things
1: do you look for with hormone disruption when it comes to headaches? So another thing that, you, that listeners can do, like you know, right now, because I know everybody's like, well, what can I do today? And and right. so really looking at endocrine disruptors and and really mm-hmm. evaluating, or how are you really focusing on the endocrine disruptors in your life? Are you looking at, you know, there's so many apps out there now that you can actually scan products and and actually give you a rating of what what's in? Because I know they're all confusing. You look at the label and you're like, I don't even know what it means. But you can even scan them now to see what products you you know, are using and if that's something that you need to do to bring down your overall estrogen. level, like We're bombarded by estrogens all the time. So that's something that really can help, you know, looking at are you eating, what kind of like meat and dairy are you eating? Because if your what you eat is given hormones, then you're ingesting those hormones. Like one of the biggest, I don't know, you probably think this too, but like beef, you know, people are actually cooking in using plastic containers for food and then heating those plastic containers in the microwave, then the the products are breaking down <laughs> and leaching into the food, and then we have endocrine disruptors in our food, you know? So it's really just being, you know, I think starting to be mindful of, are you getting bombarded by external estrogens too? Because that can play a big role in how people feel.
0: So true. And when you brought that up, Meg, it reminded me of when I learned about this at the A4M and my fellowship. And one of the professors had a picture of, you know, those plastic food containers that we all have with the red tops. You know, you've got them, look in your pantry, that you store stuff in. And he was showed a picture of how the spaghetti sauce, when you have it in there, it never comes out. You know how it stays a little red. And he's like, was showing us how in even a solid state, that spaghetti sauce is mixing with the plastic. And then when you heat it up, you are eating the plastic. And that we each actually eat about a credit card of plastic every month. I was just appalled. I went home and threw out all my red top containers, (laughs) all glass.
1: And so that's something, if you're listening, if you haven't done it yet, you need to do. Yes, I know. I was working with someone a few years ago that was spending a lot of money on an organic food service that they were like prepping the meals and making especially for them. And it it was a quite pricey service. And they the instructions would come with heat this like they would come in plastic containers and like heat in the microwave to warm up. And I'm like, you're paying for this. And and like now you're like you're making the effort to do that is to do this. And then you're heating it in plastic in the microwave. I'm like, put it on a plate. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody told them. Nobody told us
0: right until Mm -hmm. we learned it, and now we're like the Pied Piper, and everyone's like, what are those women all upset about with the plastics? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was amazing when I was in Africa. I traveled there for five months last year. They are so proactive about plastics in a lot of the countries we went to. You can't get any plastic bags, trash, no plastic trash bags, Ziploc bags, saran wrap. It's not a thing. It's illegal. That's how serious they are about plastics. And then I went back to the U.S. and it was like plastic everywhere. (laughs) So, you know, some people have gotten the memo long before people in the U.S., so they're a little bit ahead.
1: All right, anything else you want to say about hormones and headaches? Yeah, I think just, you know, really focusing on hormones. I think I were you know, you talk about this, you know, people are actually... Becoming so much aware, more aware, but really focusing on hormone balance. What is off with your hormones? Looking at them as a whole and making sure that homeostate hormones are all about balance. So you know, I think sometimes we're focusing on you know, one number in the hormones, but really looking like you were saying, using the Dutch test, finding someone that you trust to really look into what your hormone balance is. It changes our whole life. You know, that's part of being a woman. Right. We're going to get different fluctuations. Some perimetopods can be a time where your headaches just get crazy because we are seeing this drop in progesterone earlier than we're seeing the the drop of estrogen and we're seeing, you know, our hormones change a lot. So sometimes I see women when they're getting, going into perimetopods, actually, see a increase in some of these symptoms. Yeah. So I know you've got some resources for everyone to
0: use to get rid of and prevent headaches, which we'll share in just a minute. But I'm wondering if you can share
1: some steps that people might want to start taking today if they are suffering from headaches. Yeah. So I think one of the first things that you should look into is actually taking, adding into your diet through food or taking a magnesium supplement. We see a huge correlation with low magnesium and headaches and migraines. So it's just something that just through soil erosion, we don't get as much magnesium in our food as we used to often. So sometimes it can be you know, if you are someone who tends to have low magnesium, then it can be hard to get through diet alone. So you can add it through things like pumpkin seeds or high in magnesium and really looking at those foods. But maybe starting a magnesium supplement is a good place to start. I like magnesium glycine. Magnesium supplements can be very different. So not all yes. are created equal. So I have to give that little spiel. But I really like that magnesium glycinate for headaches. So
0: why do you like that one better?
1: Because, yes, there's malate, glycinate, citrate, three threonate, there's all kinds. Mm-hmm. So the, just because of the absorption, I, threonate is, actually does cross the blood-brain barrier. That's, you know, another good one. But I just have seen personally, just because I've worked with so many people, I've had a lot of success with the glycinate. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's a great idea. And then I'm a fan also of Epsom salt baths for magnesium or that's Mm -hmm. a great option. Okay. So magnesium, yes. (laughs) Anything else
1: they can start doing? So I think it's actually starting to, what I actually have people do is print out a blank calendar and start to write, start to become like your own health. Actually, I'm going to take a step back. Hydration is huge. So make sure you're staying Mm -hmm. hydrated. You wanna drink water all throughout the day and stay hydrated at a cellular level. Maybe even add some electrolytes into your, you know, a glass of your water a day to really make sure you're getting hydrated at that cellular level. We we tend to, chug. We tend to think like, oh, I'm so thirsty and then chug a glass of water and then move on. And sometimes, you know, you can excrete that water. So you want to really make sure that you're staying hydrated, that it's at a cellular level. Then you can actually take a blank calendar and print out if you get a headache, you know, things like, okay, did you have a change? Were you dehydrated that day? Was it a day you didn't get enough water? Did you not, like I mentioned, sleep is an independent risk factor. Did you not sleep? You can write down what time of the month it was. Is there any change in your environment? Is, you know, what foods did you, like we talked about and put all Mm -hmm. these pieces together and start looking if you see any patterns. So I become a detective. Yes. (laughs) I, I think that's so valuable.
0: You really can start to unravel so many things because I don't know that we're taught That our environment, what we eat, what we're around, the chemicals we're around, like those little plug-ins, that's a big pet peeve of mine that can cause headaches. We're just not taught that this affects us and affects our health, but it's so true. And if you start journaling these things, you really will notice that. So let's share some of the resources that you have. We have your free gift that you're going to share with everyone Let me scroll to it right here. It's the eight-step guide to say goodbye to headaches naturally. We'll have the link in the show notes. So if you're driving, don't try and write it down. And then we will also have a link to sign up for Dr. Meg's headache freedom webinar, where she's really going to give you the nitty gritty. So we'll have those links in the show notes, but tell everybody what they'll find with the eight-step guide to say goodbye to headaches naturally
1: and at the headache freedom webinar. Yeah. So in the eight step guide to say goodbye to headaches, actually, I give you eight steps that you can start doing now. So there is, you know, we, some of the things that we talked about, there's some specific things that you can look into. There's action work to follow. So it, it's a, something that you can get started with today to start making a difference. And then we get into in the training, we actually get into some of the reasons that you may unknowingly be actually triggering your headaches without uh, not on purpose, but with the way that you've been taught conventionally and, and through the all of our health habits in American society that we and then we're actually going to talk about give you steps of what you can do so that gives a little bit more in depth of give you some action work some steps you can do to actually start saying goodbye to your headache so it's it's some of the things that I work with with my individual clients and through my headache program headstrong happiness beyond headaches and so it yeah it's a, it's a good resource to if you're you know if you're someone I just want to say if you're someone who has headaches and it's, it's debilitating. it's it can ruin you know your day. It can ruin your trip. I hear so many stories of like, okay, I was planning my family vacation, and I spent the week in my hotel room with my family out having fun because I'm laying there with a terrible migraine. or you know you it can affect your productivity at work because you can't think straight. You know there's so many factors, and you don't have to to live. It might take a little investigation. It might take a you know what when you're working with someone, you can get a roadmap, which makes it so much easier. But it also doesn't have to happen. So just know I like to like give that shout out that people know they don't have to live this because I think you feel like, oh, this is something I've had to deal with for so long. It'll never go away. Before we wrap
0: up, what are some of your favorite recovery stories or one or two if you want to share with everyone of women who came to you kind of really at their wits end,
1: pulling their hair out like I can't handle these headaches and what happened for them? As I was saying that to you, when I was saying it didn't happen, I was thinking this one girl in particular. So I had a young woman who actually, her father was a physician and he had a lot, you know, was a a top physician at a hospital and had a lot of resources. So this girl had done, I say girl, she was a young woman, had done everything. Like she had done so many things. They had exhausted all resources. And so she came to me like, okay, I think it was like, okay, last ditch effort. Like we're gonna come, we don't really know if this could even work. This is gonna be, but w- why not try it? We've tried every everything else. And she had been having everyday migraines for about four to five years. So this was something that was constant, debilitating. They were getting no answers. And just by doing some of this work, we, you know, we do so I when I work with people, we do testing. So I use data to make you know these decisions. But within about six weeks, well, we met. So it was it? So I started working with her. Let's say May. By July, through the changes we had met, I was like, I want to give it four, six. I want to give you like she had not had a headache for two weeks by July. And I'm like, okay, let's do four more weeks. Cause I want to see, you know, where it is. And after those four weeks, it was probably early September. She's like, I haven't had a headache for six weeks. So this is someone who'd been living for five years every day. And and she was like, I can't even believe it. So it, it's, it can't awesome. everyone's different, you know and everyone's severity is different. I've had people tell me like, oh, well I don't know because you know, like I'm not as bad as like as that but you know, it still affects your life. If you have two headaches, headaches okay. a week or even two headaches a month that are really bad, that's still two days every month where you don't have to suffer. Right. It's
0: huge. It's huge. So you don't have to suffer with headaches. Hopefully you've gotten that message from Dr. May. Yeah, I know. I did not feel like I did. it in. <laughs> right. And, it, you know, just don't believe this lie that, oh, you, you're a migraine sufferer. You're going to be one for the rest of your life. It's a bunch of nonsense it's nonsense you do not have to suffer if there's a problem there is a solution if you have a problem with your health and staying on a medication chronically to prevent it is not the solution it's it's not a long-term solution so where can everybody find you online in addition to the link to the free guide and the training we're going to have those in the
1: show notes where else can they find out more about you? So I am over on Instagram at Dr. Meg Mill. It's just D-R-M-E-G-M-I-L-L. And I also have a podcast called A Little Bit Healthier. And so the the purpose of that podcast are just things you can do for all of your general health to be a little bit healthier every day. So but I hang out on Instagram, tag me, come over. I'd love to meet you. Awesome. We could all be a little bit healthier and you
0: have helped us do that today. Dr. Meg, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for listening to another episode of The Hormone Prescription with Dr. Kieran. Hopefully you have learned something today that you can put into action to move your health towards the brilliant health that you deserve. Thanks so much for joining us today and I'll see you next week. Until then, peace, love and hormones, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. I know that incredible vitality occurs for women over 40 when we learn to speak hormone and balance these vital regulators to create the health and the life that we deserve.